Hello and welcome to Pods Unchained, the Godcast podcast. We talk about Gods Unchained, Gods Unchained, and Gods Unchained. I am the Mudman here with Caution Fun. This episode is dedicated to one of the nicest members of the TST Discord, Hop Has. Caution, are you excited for today's episode? Oh, very excited, the Mudman. Big shouts to Hop Has. Uh, just a genuine great guy there. Uh, if you're if you're a Finnish Gods Unchained player. Uh, you may be interested in his uh, Discord server. Definitely reach out to him about that. I'm sure he'd be stoked to have you. And uh, we're stoked to have you today here for a very exciting episode. Lots of new stuff to cover, yeah? Yeah, new set came out, lots of new information. Everyone's having a blast, buying packs, getting diamond cards. For sure, yeah. We have a whole new uh, aspect of the economy to cover in the uh, crafting and forging process. We had our first Council of Mortals meeting ever with Mudman as a council member. That's exciting. Yeah, I liked it. So, yeah, I mean, looking forward to covering all that and more, but uh, let's start with, I mean, what we all know is definitely the most important development of the past week. That's right, it's the lore. Lore, 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 lore. And it's a, a double feature, that's right. Two new lore dumps have happened since our last episode. It's a big deal. Uh, the first one is called Flames of the Past, and as you would expect, this is a, uh, you know, we're, we're getting some lore on some of our favorite heroes. Is this retrospective? This is a retrospective. Okay. We're learning about the childhood upbringing of Ico, or Eco, or Echo, the neutral card. <laughs> Let um, us know what you think. Yeah. As right. it turns out, Eco is actually the Ashen Child. And when she was a kid, her parents were killed by some Vikings, her town was destroyed, and but she was hiding, and it was okay. Um, also, we found out that the people of Ranico know about the stuff that happened with Theriel that we know about, which is kind of fun. But uh, this is this is a big this has big implications for uh, for mostly caution fun and for all of us who uh, care about the dynamics of lore into the game. <laughs> um, so before we get to the second half of the lore dump, let's just talk about these implications. So implications for me. Yes. Okay. So we know that. Ashen Child and um, Eco are the same person. However, I beg your pardon? Ashen Child and Eco are the same person. Ashen Child is the child version of Eco. Then this was happening, the picture is when her town was destroyed. Okay. Right? However, Ashen Child, as we all know, is a war card. Right. But we've found out that homelessness can be a catalyst for changing or leaving your domain. And you very much want. Uh, phase touch golem to go back to neutral but there's been another new development in gods unchained in Atlantean town there's a new big bad wolf in howler golem and what do we know wolves do in lore they blow houses down so i think a certain atlantean phase touch golem might be becoming homeless and we know that that can be a transitional process to make you back to neutral and that's why this is the most important lore dump for you oh my god okay all right. So, okay. So, we'll break the fourth wall here. Listener at home, you should have heard the way the Mudman was hyping up this segment prior to us recording this podcast. He just told me that the lore has great implications for me. You Specific, know, specifically? Knowing that I haven't read it. And um, I thought this was like a belated April Fool's prank. No, uh, it's I thought um, it was like a pure real. bit. But you really, really... That that's headcanon right there. You really big bad wolf. You wrote like a fan fiction that involves the gods unchained like balance team and 
design decisions. That's and brought it back to. It, that's amazing. Wow. Big Bad Wolf is going to make face touch Golem homeless, and then he can, when he has no home, he has no domain, and he has to go back to neutral. Oh, man. When's the next Lord Dump? Uh, the, the next Lord Dump is going to be April 6th, but we actually have one more whole lore to go over, and this is, this is a highly anticipated event in the Ranico saga. This is part four, the siege of Ranico. That's right. What we've been waiting for is here. So... Let's, let's go over what we know. We know that there's going to be a battle. And we know that there are a handful of people who are stronger than others. Well, get this. The battle has begun. And the formidable players? Turns out, they are formidable. Whoa. Just let me grapple with that for a sec. Yeah, it, it's, big, it's big stuff. So everything that we expected to happen is happening. But get this caution. It's not that simple. What? What's that? Betrayal. And you, now, are you interested? What is this betrayal? Well, I am too. There was just a betrayal of some sort. We don't know who betrayed who. We don't know what the betrayal led to. We just know there was a betrayal. And that made it so Hortuk and his minions could get through the wall of fire and physical wall. And now Hortuk, he's got a sword and he's charging forward. That's his fighting style, presumably, is going forward with his halberd. Um, and then, as the chapter is closing, Iko sees Hortuk. Whoa, he's big and scary and bad. And Old Wolf sees Hortuk. And Iko, she's like, uh, I'm gonna fight him by myself. And Old Wolf's like, I don't know. But Iko's like, no, I'm gonna do it myself. And then that's how the chapter ends. And that's all of our lore. But don't worry, there are two more lore dumps coming, as we said, April 6th, and then again on April 12th. So you can get hyped about that, but there is one small issue with the next couple of bits of lore. Oh no. Yeah, they're, they're doing that thing that like 90s anime did, <laughs> where uh, the title sort of spoils what happens. So mm -hmm. right now we know that Hortuk is big and strong and he's fighting one of the Band of the Wolf. Mm -hmm. The next chapter is called Hunt of the Wolves. So presumably the wolves are going to have to retreat, because that's how you get hunted. And then the final chapter is The Band's Last Stand. So after they get hunted, they will be cornered or maybe find like a cool wall to hide behind and then they'll have a last stand where presumably the good guys will win. Huh. Yeah. Well, Aiko is a 5-2, right? And Hortex is a 5-5. Five, five. Yep. But Aiko doesn't need to trade in, just throw the attack. So yeah, that makes that tracks for me. Yeah, I think she's got an advantage. She has protected. 100%. Sure, yeah. yeah, but evidently Unless she, he brings his fallen legion. He's going to do something with his twisted sense of order, and it's going to make them run away because we know they're going to get hunted. <laughs> oh, also, I almost forgot an incredibly important thing. Lore and cards coming together. The fight is happening at the Grand Eye, which is that five-mana nature card that nobody plays. Oh, man. And uh, if you'd like detail about what the eye is like, no. Just like with the betrayal, there is no detail. <laughs> if you'd like to know why Ego's fighting style is cool, it's it's cool because she's cool, and Hortuk is strong because he's strong. I mean, that is a lot to unpack there. That's a lot to grapple with. And you said that there's two more lore dumps coming? That's right. Jeez Louise. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> as an avid listener of the pod... That's got me stoked from where these lore segments. Uh, 
<laughs> man, oh man, I'm still thinking about that face touch golem thing. Yeah, I, I glossed over some information <laughs> in, you the, told in the backstory. Well, I, I'm sure Bryn knows. He said he loved the lore in the last AMA thing. Fair play. Yeah. You'd have to wake up pretty early to sneak one past Bryn. He knows what he's doing. Face touch golem should be neutral any day now. Why do you think Bryn buffed Howler Golem if not to do this lore idea? Dude, I, I knew, <laughs> dude, I knew it. I knew there was something. Okay, all right. Wow. Well, that's got me more stoked than ever. There. Um, you know. Also, it, it's good to hear that. Um, uh, our read on Hortuck was like correct. He's just a bad a, guy. Just a bad guy. Just a bad guy. What does he want? We still don't know what he wants. Just a rotten egg. Yeah, just a, a bad, a bad guy, a roughneck. <laughs> I knew he ran with a band of arsonists. I knew it. Well, we don't know. We don't know if he lights things on fire. They said they Vikings, raised the town. No, that those were the horrible, horrible bad Vikings oh that God. that ruined Eco's uh, life. And we also find out that like. Eco uh, doesn't have the best mental health. Like her favorite thing is just like getting into fights, so she can just like lose it and do some killing again. That's what she said. She just likes to like let loose and do some killing. She pretends to be like on the side of protecting, but she just loves killing. <laughs> so much to think about. My goodness. Ah, oh, man. I mean, we could do you know two three episodes a week just on the lore there but um you know we do have other things to cover unfortunately this episode yeah moderately um, big topics as well yeah that said learning all of the characters backstories definitely just one character's backstory don't get ahead of yourself that definitely sets the stage nicely for the release of the actual band of the wolf cards themselves I, that happened too and i heard you bring some of those up yep, and we do get to play with them and they have been fun so far oh yeah for sure absolutely um yeah band of the wolf released and uh you know <laughs> the pack purchasing process went off without a hitch. Yes, you know? very, very smoothly. Um, that said, in the uh, lead-up, there were a couple of hiccups. Uh, I'm sure you guys are well aware, but just to recap, we had the time and date of the release changed uh, at the last minute there, which might have ruined some people's plans, but we'll get to that later. Uh, also, the rules and rarity rates changed last minute. Uh, it was announced that in addition to those forged shadow epics granting you the new domain legendaries, if you pulled a shadow epic from a pack, that got you a domain legendary as well. And, you know, obviously that escalated up the shine scale. Uh, that was huge, massive, completely changed the expected value from all of the packs, right? Oh yeah, by a ton. And they also announced like pretty late in the game that, uh, if you shined up one of those recipe epics, like from shadow to gold, you would receive a shadow variant of said legendary. Yeah. So, we, so not only would you acquire them just from minting them in packs, you would also get like the higher shines. So the, the issue of meteorite master of the mills being better than shadow master of the mills from a buying perspective was fixed. But uh, we didn't get that information until very late in the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, we did warn about that on our previous episode where we went over the crafting guide. You know, we said like these prices for the packs themselves seem pretty out of whack unless that's how it works. Yes. And uh, definitely brought the expected values more in line with each other. Um, and yeah, a big increase in supply for those domain legendaries as well. Um, you know, I think somebody did the math in the Discord. It came out to like twelve hundred to fourteen hundred additional copies, uh, you know, as compared to previously expected. 
Yeah, uh, which is yeah. way, which that's that's a lot more. Absolutely, it's like a fifty percent increase across the board there, and that's depending on you know if all of the crafting epics are crafted up, um, you know, which obviously it's not going to be a hundred percent of those, so it's probably more like a 60, 70, 80 percent increase in the final supply. Um, that said, uh, we did get the legendaries uh, over the weekend there. Um, that said, uh, the totality of the distribution did not exactly go according to plan either. Uh, it took far longer than the originally estimated 24 to 48 hours. I know we were worried a little bit about that. The fact that it wasn't immediate and that it might, you know, take an extended amount of time. Yeah, and then the the fact that at the final second they were like, you know what, we're going to have to just make a lot more than we anticipated. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that also made it a lot more difficult to distribute when they're distributing so many more than they thought. Yeah, as I understand it, um, the system that they were using to see who, you know, crafted what legendaries and like you know where to distribute how many of them it couldn't differentiate between the uh shadow gold and diamond epics that were crafted versus the ones that were opened in packs is there anything minted yep it read them both as minted so um you know therefore <laughs> everybody was eligible if you hit either of those events um yeah, that said, uh, you know, about 72 hours after, we did get the first wave of uh, Domain Legendary distribution, but um, I certainly haven't received all of the Legendaries that I was meant to receive from the first day. A couple of the Legendaries I was supposed to get multiple copies of, and uh, I received exactly one copy, and um, yeah, I mean, it's got me worried about forging anymore. I want to make sure <laughs> that I receive the ones I was due again from that first 24-hour period before uh, doing any others. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty safe move. I'd be afraid to make my queue list longer. <laughs> for sure. I mean, yeah, like yeah, it's that, that part's a, a little frustrating, mostly for the economic reasons. Um, that said, at least we do get to use them and play with them and test with them. Um, I wish it came at the beginning of the weekend ranked event. Yeah, but, it came uh, in during the weekend ranked event. <laughs> like halfway through, game. almost exactly. Pretty wild. Um, yeah, that said, despite all of that, the packs are selling really well. Yeah, yeah, the packs are selling like hotcakes. Everyone's loving them. For sure. Uh, I think last we checked just before, uh, you know, about 3 p.m. Eastern on April 3rd at time of recording, uh, well over 75% of the regular booster packs and the super shiny packs were sold. Um, there's still about two-thirds of the crafting and shiny packs available, so uh, definitely still time to pick up some packs if you're still planning on it. Uh, did you get any packs? I know you did. Oh uh, Yeah, I got a good amount of packs. You were pulling heat. Yeah, I was actually extremely lucky with my packs. Uh, <laughs> I only got like 24 packs in all, and it was good enough to get the whole set, minus like a couple of one-off commons. Yeah, and uh, anything special about your first two packs? Yeah, the first pack I got a Shadow Hortuck, and the second one I got a Gold uh, Eco. <laughs> Ridiculous. I, I also got a, a Diamond of the the Faithorn yeah, yeah, Faith Blade, which gets me a Gold uh, Divya, which is kind of cool. I managed to get a Shadow version of all of those necessary epics, except Master of Mills, which I luckily opened eight meteorites of. That is something. That is, uh, yeah, that was pretty wild to see. Yeah, it actually worked out really well for me. It's the luckiest I've been with packs ever. Yeah, we, uh, our luck seems to have switched from uh, the Lights Verdict release there. Yeah, you um, were killing it. You were getting Blades of White Plains like it was your job. <laughs> Those are the days. I remember them fondly. But um, yeah, with this one, yeah, I, I set up to do a uh, Twitch stream there and open 24 packs. 
and um, the mud man joined me, was opening next to me. He started just before I did, and it was just the first two packs, bang, bang. And, uh, and then I proceeded to open, just, like really just straight garbage, uh, you know, relative to what I could have pulled. Um, just like, you know, pretty awful distribution and uh, neither of the chase legendaries and nothing in, nothing, none of the crafting epics above Shadow except for one Master of the Mills. That's fine. Um, so, yeah, um, <laughs> I came away a little bit disappointed with my pack opening experience. Nevertheless, the EV was there to justify me getting, you know, at least a couple of packs. I was a little bummed I had to recalculate at the last minute. But, well, um... yeah, that was hectic. <laughs> like, uh, I know, like, like there's a lot of people dedicating a lot of time. Like, I know, like, like Sir Rush is an example. It seemed like he spent an easy 10,000 hours in preparation. And boy, <laughs> did they change things up on him. Oh, for sure, yeah. I know people had spreadsheets at the ready. And, um, yeah, I was planning on getting 100 uh, standard booster packs. I thought that would be pretty solid value. Uh, but yeah, with the new numbers in place, uh, you know, realistically, I should have just played the secondary market in, mm. in total. Um, that said, I ended up getting like 20 regular boosters and four of the shiny packs um, and, you know, save the rest of my budget to play the secondary, which I got to say was really fun. Um, you know, over this first weekend there, especially with the uh, domain legendaries being in limited supply, um, you know, the weekend ranked event, the first weekend ranked event with the new cards happening. Uh, there were a lot of pretty wild deals. Um, it was cool seeing seeing the market and the community adjust to a completely new part of the economy in crafting and this evolution type mechanic. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was pretty neat there. Like I, I was do a uh, shadow. What's the war legendary Rios. called? Rios, the old wolf. I was do a shadow Rios. I got it. And uh, I sold it for about $52 USD on the market. And I was able to buy five village vendors in shadow uh, for about $51. So at, at the end of that transaction, you know, I'm going to forge those. I'm going to get another shadow Rios and I'll end up with a free gold village vendor. It was pretty neat. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, a couple of uh, those like rinse and repeat type deals were available. Um, that said, I think now that everybody's gotten their weekend ranked event games in, and knowing that, you know, they're about to, like, I'm still do a bunch of duplicates, and I know I can't be the only one. Um, so, you know, I think everybody's kind of trying to front run that big supply shock, and we've seen a lot, like, it's it's like a race to the bottom right now. Uh, you know, people trying to get out ahead of that, I think. But, um, you know, conversely, it might be a good time to pick up something, some of those uh, crafting epics that you might still need. Uh, yeah, historically, like the the Monday after the first weekend ranked is always a great time to buy cards off the secondary market when a new set drops. I imagine it'll be the same here, or maybe I imagine with this one, like uh, the ten minutes after that next wave of legendaries go out, that'll be the best time to buy. Could be, could very well be, absolutely. Yeah, something to definitely keep an eye on there. Uh, secondary market's been a lot of fun to play, but um, let's talk about the gameplay. Let's talk about the cards themselves. Oh, the nitty gritty. We got 38 new cards. You know, we've gotten a couple of these mini sets now. These are our biggest mini sets. <laughs> That's fair, jumbo shrimp. <laughs> but, um, you know, Light's Verdict obviously had a huge impact on the meta, right? Still felt to this day in a huge way. Winter Wonderlands, 
Less so. Yeah, not so much. Not so much. Yeah, Winter Wonderlands made a couple of good decks a little bit better, but didn't really change or add anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, that said, this set is hitting quite differently in that regard, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, this has a lot of strong cards, a lot of good synergy cards that work with pre-existing cards. It's making a bunch of new archetypes and like fresh decks. For sure, yeah. That's like, uh, yeah. Overall, like you know, if I had to sum up my uh, first week impression of the new set, I would say overall it's very fun. Yeah, yeah. I've been having a great time with it. I've been having a lot of fun for sure. Um, obviously, it's not perfect, right? Yeah, but you can't expect it to be. Uh, that's to be expected for sure, especially when they're providing us with all of these new areas to explore, like all of these new deck archetypes, um, you know, previous underplayed, understated archetypes, getting some help, getting some support. Yeah, and an ally is like a big mechanic. Like, it, it's not like protected or ward or something. Like, it's a snowball mechanic. So, and we've never had anything like that in the game before. Like, the closest thing would be Frenzy, which only activates once a turn. Yeah, or like, you know, the few tribal payoff cards that we had previously. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> things that said, you know, give your Vikings or give your Olympians, right? Yeah, but usually those are just one-time effects, and these allies are just ongoing. It's, it's really making you, uh, like, build your decks very specifically. Like, For sure. Uh, like, a lot of the war decks are going 100% Olympian, and, like, Olympians rarely saw play. And surprising to go 100% Olympian with the sheer number of great Vikings that exist. Oh yeah, so many that you would consider like staples, right? Yeah, like axe women, tavern brawlers, like pyramid wardens, master tacticians, for sure. Raid revelers, oddies. Yeah. And like these war decks are still winning despite not having any of those great cards because of the power of these new new additions. Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. I was playing around quite a bit with uh, a few different variants of Olympian war and that's the fun part too. It's not like you're be like, you know, when you know, Anubians or Zombies came out, it was like 34 cards to fit into a 30 card list. Like, I feel like there's a lot more room to maneuver. You can, like, I was playing, you know, an all out aggro, super low curve Olympian war deck. And then like, you know, I beefed the curve up a little bit and leaned a little harder into the hand buff mechanic. And I was having just about equal success with that. Yeah, but and it plays that, completely differently. Oh, totally differently. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's like playing a completely different deck. Exactly. Um, and I, I think we both saw uh, with the set release, uh, you know, the pre-release notes, I think we both saw them making a conscious effort to kind of buff more mid-rangey decks. Yeah, they, they've been pushing the mid-range archetype pretty hard. Yeah, for sure. And um, I've noticed that, you know, I was running those super all-out aggro curves and structures of old, and I found myself liking, you know, the... The tiny bit slower but like more payoff on the second wave kind of archetypes and, well, yeah, um, and, and like that that makes sense right? it's a way like, i haven't felt in a long time yeah like and that's like proper evolution right like if everyone's playing all out aggro olympian light and olympian war if you just play the same olympian lighter war deck with a slightly beefier top end then you should win out in those matchups like the the proper mid-range formula hopefully yeah um that said you know you did bring up uh um i guess a point of contention there uh, in that ally does tend to be a bit snowbally. Oh, it's a snowball you know, mechanic. It certainly doesn't help the uh, first versus second discrepancy. Oh, not at all. Right? Yeah, if, if, if everyone's playing different variations of aggro Olympian, then whoever gets to play their Blood Oath Binder first is at a huge advantage. For sure, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, uh, 
there's a lot of strong cards in the set for sure. Uh, there's a couple of early nerf candidates that <laughs> I can think of. You brought one up there, the Blood Oath Binder. Yep. Um, maybe the Hearth Mother as well. Yeah, the Hearth Mother uh, is super good. That's a whole new deck. Yeah, maybe it doesn't need to be a 2-3. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that said, uh, yeah, uh, it, you know, all in all, uh, you know, definitely still exploring. It's way, way too early to come to like, you know, a conclusion on the set, right? But just in exploring the first uh, layers of, you know, the, the most obvious things, you know, nethers and deception, Olympians and war and light, um, you know, Amazon's in nature. I personally haven't tried Amazon nature yet, but that's you know, that's obviously there. I did. I didn't have much success with it, but um, yeah. Either way, it's just is a lot of new stuff to play and a lot of uh, new decks to build, and you know that's always going to be fun. Um, you know, I, I hope that feeling lasts for sure. Um, yeah, I think the ally keyword is like the perfect example where like it's super fun, it's super explosive, but like. Yeah, if it's not problematic now on certain cards, it might be problematic going forward. Um, just as far as restricting design space, like, like potentially, right? Like I don't know, maybe that's uh, uh, not on the team's mind. I'm I'm sure they know that there's certain cards that they'll end up changing, right? Yeah, like there are certain cards that are strong, but like uh, like Bryn mentioned it in his last like AMA. Like if you want these ally cards to be good and consistent, then you have to build your deck around them like really hard. And those, those war decks are a great example of it. Like you're, they're playing like Trojan golems and like, <laughs> like the. I love seeing that. Yeah, like like Trojan golems and cards are generally considered bad in order to make the combo consistent. Yeah. So like you know I, I think that's a decent payoff. Like, granted maybe like Blood Oath Binder is too good, so like the payoff is is too strong. But, right. But yeah. at, in the same vein, I was playing um, a Nether Deception type list uh, earlier today. There, no armor lurkers. Yeah, which is crazy. Which, like, I feel like that is breaking a rule. <laughs> and you might be right. I only got a couple of games in, but uh, it seemed to perform really well. And, um, yeah, you know, a, a lot of the things that we were hoping to see viable are clearly viable. But there's a lot, you know, there's still a ton of unanswered questions. At the time of recording, we've only had, like, a, you know, a full 48 hours. Barely. I don't even think cards, 48 right? hours yet. Exactly. And, um, you know... A lot of the, uh, well, I, I think a couple of the more important decks to figure out, namely the you know Steel Stuff Deception Archetype and Olympian War, um, you know, I, I, I find it hard to believe that, you know, the lists have been optimized after. Oh, well, of course not. You know, right? So, uh, yeah, definitely still a ton to explore there. Um, really interested to see what people come up with and I, i'm eager to get back at it and try to figure it out myself right yeah okay. like, like you've said it a bunch of times there's still so much more exploring to do like uh like i've so far i've played like war and light mostly and i have more stuff i want to try in both war and light and like i haven't even touched nature or um magic yet i played like barely any games with deception like there's still so much more to do yeah um i i did get a couple of reps in with magic um, it seems like uh, our prediction that structure support would kind of coalesce around Coronet pretty quickly seems to have come to fruition there. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. You know, it's a pretty standard uh, control magic setup, but uh, you run Portal Wranglers again because if you yeah. get a 1-1, one well, mana 1-1 one, one Coronet, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, well, it always ran the, the Portal Wranglers at least, which was always great, mm. but just it gets more consistent. And I feel like the Coronet is a, a fun type of... Uh, like RNG for the most part, hmm. you know. Like it, I feel like it never feels super unfair. Like you know they're getting a nine drop 
So it's like, oh man, they got the echo foam they really needed it. Well, like everything would have been good. <laughs> That's super fair, yeah. And at least, you know, you do have, uh, there's some uh, foreshadowing for you to start getting ready for it. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, Amazon Nature, I got a couple of reps in as well. And, you know, our thoughts on Divya during the, you know, pre-release breakdown, you know, we said it, it feels really fair. Yep. You know, you, you can't you can't do fair <laughs> it, things in card games. You need to do broken stuff. <laughs> it turns out, yeah, it is super fair, and it's not quite good enough. Um, don't get me wrong; it makes your Amazon so much better, but it doesn't make them harder to kill. Yeah. And, uh, dude, you remember like <laughs> before they sent out the uh, the legendaries there? Uh, I was looking them over again, thinking about what to do with them, and I read Divya, and I texted you mm-hmm. that there might be a new Dralimar. <laughs> yeah, there's not. I thought I was in the Matrix. I thought, oh, the new Great Eyes Blessing, right? Uh, you have, you know, some Amazons on board. Uh, one of them's a Divya. You play that. You play the second Divya. You do one Amazon damage to the face, and then the Divyas just go infinite loop, right? And um, unfortunately, that is not how it works. Uh, I I know that they're considering changing the wording to better reflect that. Uh, you know, change it to a differently named Amazon. Um, same with Argus. Uh, I actually reached out to Bryn about it, and he told me that um, they purposefully chose a design that doesn't result in infinite loops with either of those cards. Uh, and yeah, they'll be looking at the wording to better help re- uh, reflect that there. But for a second, I was getting pretty amped up on a combo Amazon. OTK nature. OTK Amazon nature. That would be so sick, but um, yeah, man, oh, I'm so ready to get back out there and test some new builds. Yeah, it should be fun. Like if if the decks I haven't played are as fun as the decks I have played, I think we're in for a good time. Yeah, I have a couple off the top that I want to get back to. Um, day one, I I cobbled together. I'm no board wipe death expert by any means, right? But I cobbled together a board wipe death deck uh, that. You know, the entire dedicated win con is two bitter endings and two over the lines. Um, thinking about that combo we talked about in uh, the previous episode there, uh, where you get double Anhotep, reduce both the over the lines, and deal 32 damage in one turn from hand on six mana. And uh, second game, I pulled it off. Would you believe it? Yeah, a, a lot of people have been playing over the line style death decks. They've been doing really well. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how consistent that can come down. Um, you know, bitter endings right away. I, I just figured, you know, it's going to be capable of some of the strongest plays in the game. It's you're cheating out up to four mana, and like <laughs> people are trying to break it. I am so stoked to get back to trying as well. Yeah, people have like pretty much broken it. <laughs> you know, like you're like the standard like over the line list look very similar to like the old list do. They just have the two bitter endings, and uh, you get either an anatep, two anateps or an anatep and uh, avatar of death. And, or a harvester. Yeah. There's some plays with that and uh, perseverance. Yeah, you know, it, it's people seeming, have been exploring. It's seeming to be like pretty consistent on turn five and a half. You just have to save your pip so that you can properly reduce your over the line with your anatep, <laughs> and you're good to go. Yeah, it's all fun and games then until you run into a deck steal deception. Um, yeah, how, how many games did I get in with that? Like three. But, yeah, um, and deck steal deception didn't exist when you played because gamma wasn't in the game yet. No, no, no. Just uh, earlier today there, I think. Uh, uh, I think I got three games in with a list that Diesel built. Um, shared it in the TST Discord there. And uh, two of the games, the first two games were absolutely nuts. I stole so much of my opponent's deck. It, it, 
felt super unfair the entire time. Um, I was in a mirror match uh, in my second game, and I ended up taking my opponent's first cutthroat and their deuteria. And uh, I could tell the way that they were playing, uh, you know, the last several turns of the game, that they were clearly, they had flip as their GP, and they were clearly just hard searching for their deuteria or their cutthroat, because they were at the point in the game where those would be great cards. And I almost felt bad. Yeah, little did they know, they don't have those cards anymore. <laughs> yeah, those are in my deck. And um, yeah, therein lies, uh, I think, one of the common complaints yep. about the new set, right? Yep. Regardless of how good stealing stuff deception is, you gotta know what cards were taken. Like, yeah. they had to, like, flash on the screen or be in the combat log, but not knowing what was taken is very upsetting. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's funny because, you know, I heard a couple of people raise that um, concern before the set came out. Yeah, like, and us. I, I was, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, I guess I can see the, uh, you know, maybe they're just using it purely as like a power level lever that they can pull in the future or like are balancing the cards in mind, you know, with that in mind. Uh, in that, like, yeah, you get like an information advantage as well. Um, that said, I didn't really think about the full ramifications being like, it, it, it hits so quickly. As soon as you see them steal a card from your deck, all planning goes out the window because you, you just always run into, well, what if they stole that card? Yeah. You know, it's just so like it ruins like the whole, <laughs> like all the planning stages at every point in the game going forward, like right away. So yeah, I'm yeah, firmly on like the that. side of... Uh, yeah, tell us, tell us what they yeah, took. What, what was took? Yeah, just let it flash up on the screen real quick, at least. Because, um, yeah, it was consistent. Then the Spore Relic, mm -hmm. super strong with uh, those one-mana nethers that Deception has available to it. And, um, you know, you can still run Cutthroats. You can still run all the anti-aggro tools you desire. It's just now, instead of like relying on Patient Pickpocket and maybe Ludia's Dedicant for that extra value, yep. you just take your opponent's. Yeah, and you can and patient pickpocket. You had to play it. You get one card after like one and a half turns. Now you can take a whole bunch of cards directly from their deck all at one time. Yeah, it is really interesting. I think this early meta is you know going to be de pretty well defined by just how good that deck steal deception deck is, because that you know if that deck can even hang against aggro. You know, I, I don't see how you justify running a control deck at that point. Yeah, if, if it can hang against Zagra, it probably locks out your average controller combo deck. Right? Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, you can't <laughs> you can't take a worse matchup against Aggro and then have a archetype running around that you hard lose to. That's a losing proposition. Um, so yeah, I think it'll. I think this part of the meta is probably going to be defined by yeah how good that deck steal deception archetype is, and aggro olympian light and aggro olympian war just yeah, because yeah, both of which seem really strong blood, blood oath binder uh bob as we call mm -hmm. him around the discord uh my god that's a strong card yeah that's a crazy going first card if you pair that with any other olympian going first and a lot of olympians have frontline yeah i'm a little worried that it's uh uh you know gonna make people forget a little too quickly about arcane sphere but um you know Maybe they both get tweaked a little bit. There's a new 1-3 in town. <laughs> My god, the things that Light can do with that. And uh, what's the... I, I play it all the time. 
whenever I play light. The one man humble benefactor. Yeah, humble benefactor. I don't know why the name so escaped good. me there, but my goodness, dude. Humble benefactor and uh, blood oath binder on turn one is such a strong start. Yeah, skeleton heavy. Yeah, and, old skeleton heavy stats. Yeah, and the skeleton sorry, heavy, old skeleton heavy. The skeleton heavy rose. It's so big. <laughs> you forget the new players. If yeah, they don't know you about can't skeleton just say heavy. Skeleton heavy. They don't know you mean vanilla two four with stats. Yeah, they don't even know the card skeleton heavy anymore. It's not relevant. That's crazy, dude. My God, back in my day. <laughs> yeah, we played skeleton heavy. Bonded warrior. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, but the like the the way those light decks can just like can buff something's health and then just you know use the the new hearth mother to make their health equal to their attack. Like they can do so much damage with an early pacifist, with an early pyramid warden. Like the the hearth mother itself like is a two three naturally, so if you play it alongside that same benefactor, it's just a two mana four four. Yeah. Which is pretty great. That reminds me, um my my loss with that nether deception deck I was talking about before. Uh, I lost to a fifteen fifteen pyramid warden on turn four. Yeah, and like can do that fairly easily. Yeah, it was like, two turn lethal, chat. Yeah, the the pacifist <laughs> and the pyramid warden are so big with that new hearth mother. It's it's crazy. Like yeah. it's even pushing. Like I've seen a lot of light decks like not have uh, radiant dons and not have any lights levies variants. That's just just like I they don't need to win the board. They just need that one creature to live. I never thought I'd see the day. Yes, but like I think you still run the radiant dons for sure. Um, you probably want to run a levy, like yeah, especially if they stop running dawns. Then that opens that. Now I'm thinking from the perspective of that uh, everyone another sleeps. deception player. Yeah, just all the sleep packages. Yeah, another deception, or even like over the line death. Any archetype that utilizes yeah. sleep. So I think you you keep with the the radiant dawn. Also, it's just good. Radiant dawn synergizes with Argus. <laughs> Everything synergizes with Argus. Even your opponent stuff. If your opponent buffs their creatures, it buffs your Argus. Man, oh man. Oh, so it's like Dagon. Yeah. So like, uh, if you have like a big uh, holy return where you buff your whole board and your opponent's whole board, uh, Argus gets all the buff. He like immediately becomes like a like a three thirty, and then you make his health equal to his attack equal to his health, and you hit him for thirty. That's the Grail turn. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're talking about like you know turn three, four, five. You know thirty thirties. Uh, you know I saw. Um, uh, LC Hammer in the TST Discord talking about how they killed a 40 health control nature player from hand uh, with bitter endings. Uh, you know, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's but it's interesting because you know there are so many super super strong cards from this set, but I think the reason that we're still having fun playing with them and exploring them and building decks around them is because a lot of them require you to make you know high quality plays you know less so maybe you know blood oath binder you know you play it first and play olympians yeah blood oath but, binder just says spend all your mana you know i mean lc hammer used bitter endings to do that 40 from hand and like that's a high iq card if i've ever seen one lots to think about and um similar with some of the new uh you know deception archetypes being built around the nether synergies um deception's always you know a pretty high iq deck but um yeah or low iq deception's yeah right control deception i should say i'm sorry control deception <laughs> great call great call oh man yeah but um no nah, right it's been good i mean it got both of us off the couch to uh, or i guess on the couch more accurately to play weekend ranked for the first time in god knows how long yeah 
I think I've played like three weekend ranks in the past three months. <laughs> but uh, this one was a lot of fun. I did have to wait till the legendaries came, but that was fine. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a bit of unnecessary anxiety, but um, yeah, I was super stoked. Got to try out a couple of uh, Olympian war lists. Did decently well. They gave out some really really nice rewards uh, this past weekend. If you managed to get one legendaries worth of mortal judgment rewards, they sent you like. It's like 10 crafting packs and two booster packs pretty wild so pretty good yeah that um that was definitely incentive enough and i enjoyed my time which i'm very happy to say and uh yeah looking forward to figuring out this first wave of the meta yeah can't wait to play more decks i'll probably do that when we're done with the podcast yeah <laughs> uh yeah that said we're not quite done here yet we still have the first meeting of season two of the council of mortals to go over very exciting first uh first time mudman yeah it was a fun first meeting it went pretty much how i expected <laughs> yeah um well not not entirely um we didn't get to do our pre-meeting ama that we were planning on doing there because uh, they moved the night of the meeting they flipped it with uh the release of band of the wolf the release of the new set uh so our ama would have been at the exact same time as the actual set release so, um, you know, I guess we'll get that started up at the end of uh, this month. But in the meantime, Mudman, what did you think of your first council meeting? Uh, I thought it was fun. I thought there, you know, it was, it's been a long time since our last council meeting, so there was a lot of, like, boring stuff to go over. And this <laughs> is the first meeting with a whole bunch of new faces, so there was a lot of, like, hi, I'm so-and-so. Um, but, like, all in all, I think it was a pretty good meeting. Yeah, yeah. There were definitely some uh, formalities we had to get out of the way in the beginning. Um some retrospective stuff, some introductions. Uh, you and I didn't get a chance to lead any topics uh, during this meeting there. We still got to touch on some pressing issues in the GU community. Uh, Tea Time and Fake Muse led a important discussion on the current state of like esports and you know the tournament yeah, scene. And the player experience within, uh, within the tournaments. Within Gods and Chain there, yeah. Um, yeah, just like, you know, a little bit of a difficult conversation, I guess, because they did have to cover some of the recent tournament controversies, um, you know, as like a preface, as a preface to, uh, you know, presenting potential solutions. Um, that said, yeah, definitely a necessary discussion, and uh, glad we got to have it. Stack fifteen uh, also asked the devs about the status of some quality of life improvements, including one that I know you have been harping on for god knows how long that being a weekend rank tracker in the client yeah i think that would be great if you remember <laughs> from uh, like my campaign video that was one of the, the simple solutions to make everyone's life better oh man how is that not the case yet is yeah, so hopefully we'll get that soon for sure and uh yeah also during that discussion um i was in the chat i was spamming stack with pings asking him to ask about the inclusion of GUID numbers in the game to disincentivize hiding your name, maybe create a more level playing field in ranked play. Um, and he couldn't help but notice. I pinged him so many times. Big shouts to Stack15. Yeah, who, who is who is the best council member, just so we're, we're all aware? Oh, yeah, 100%. If we didn't make that abundantly clear, go listen to the last yeah. uh, episode's dedication. <laughs> yeah, like, you guys don't get the behind-the-scenes of the Council of Mortals meetings, but Stack is the best member, and it's just definitively. Oh, yeah, absolutely. MVP. MV... Stack. M. <laughs> we'll work on it. 
But uh, yeah, he snuck that question in there and the devs were more open to that idea than I'd ever heard them in the past. Uh, and to the point where like immediately afterwards, Eclipse posted a poll in the Council of Myrtles Discord channel and she asked if we were for or against including the Gods Unchained player IDs in the client and the response was an overwhelming yes. Yep, pretty much unanimous. Well, the both of us, myself, the Mudman, Sambam, Tea Time, JFA, Clutch, Stack 15, Manny, Copper Pitch, Agent K, H Pain, Carnival Big Top, all explicitly voicing their support for this change. So hopefully, like with that degree of unanimous agreement, I hope it's implemented soon. Yeah, but it begs the question, why doesn't Fake Muse want us to have player IDs in the game? Yeah, he just he didn't explicitly voice his agreement, but by the time he came into the chat, it might have already been uh, pretty clear how the community felt there. In his defense, I, you know, I just I, he, he, or actually, I just say he hasn't responded. Yeah, I'm for comment. I'm only pointing out fake Muse because he's the only member I can think of that isn't on the list of explicitly said they want the IDs. Yeah, I mean, him and uh, Jazzus in particular, um, you know, talked around the uh, I guess like the some of the nuances or you know the greater context of the question without directly saying yes i support or no i don't support so for that reason i guess you can count them as like abstaining yeah. maybe i I, I imagine but, they uh, support it because i I, do not, sure. I don't see a scenario where you wouldn't want it yeah i mean well, like, unless you're you're an avid box player then maybe you don't want it yeah right like that's yeah it's it's funny like i was i was trying to think like what issue not just in like the gods unchained universe but in the world today what issue have you seen such unanimous agreement upon is like it's it's including player ids in the client and that's it right and the it, weekend rank tracker yeah it's it's right up there <laughs> with uh no one likes being hungry oh man right, hate up that. There, right up there with uh no one likes being cold Ooh, hate that and then and then there's give everybody their apollo ids for sure we like good things and we dislike bad things yeah give us the good things for sure 100 percent. great advice and i hope they take it um yeah if you guys have any proposals or suggestions uh please let us know also if you have any questions that you want us to answer at this month's ama which will happen no matter what we will make it happen uh you can get those in whenever uh, if you don't show up to the stream itself, we'll just read them off and uh, give you credit there. Yeah, just go over to the TST Discord and say something anywhere. Yeah, and uh, let us know what decks you're messing with. Maybe there's an archetype we missed in our discussion that you're really stoked on. Uh, let us know there. Let us help you build it, if you, if, if we may. I'm, I'm all over all the potential outcomes here. I'm super stoked to figure out what's what. Yeah, I can't wait for someone to prove to me that Amazons are good. <laughs> Who can break what? and how uh yeah man should that be it should we wrap it up here let's get back out there yeah let's get back to the ladder all right we're gonna test some decks big shouts to soul one fiddling with the knobs greatest producer of all time and uh thank you guys as always for listening podsunchain.com i'm i'm caution fun yep, i am the mud man and uh have a wonderful day take it easy things are so bright for you i hope that is healing so much for I'm so excited for you. Things are so bright for you. I hope that is healing true. You bring so much for I'm so excited for you.